We are looking at 2 Timothy. And we are in the second chapter of 2 Timothy. Um, going verse by verse through this book. And uh, hopefully we learn some useful insights. Now Paul is writing to uh, this young preacher whom he has known since uh, Timothy was an infant. He knew his uh, grandmother, he knew his mom, and he knew Timothy as a baby. And uh, now he's a young man, and he's uh, passionately involved in the work of Christ. And what he's been trying to teach him in these two books, 1 Timothy, which we just finished, and then now the 2 Timothy, yes, this is how this young guy should approach uh, his work in the ministry and proclaiming the gospel around the country, okay? Um, now, we finished up last week with uh, verse 22, which is about fleeing the youthful desires of youth and pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. So, picking up at verse 23, he encourages this young guy, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. <laughs> I like the way he says that. Stupid. There's some arguments that are just stupid. Just stupid. Now, in all fairness to the person who's making the argument, it's not stupid to them. All right? You might have an argument, boy, you feel real passionate about, but God bless your heart, at the end of the day, if it's stupid, it's just stupid. And uh, and we're just not going to get dragged into it. And I don't know, maybe I should just be art open enough and say, look, you're sweet, I love you, I know you're passionate about it, but this is just stupid, and we're not going to get into it. And uh, on occasion, I have people who try and drag me into some of the lamest, most moronic debates about what should be done or what wasn't done or should have been done. It's like, man, you got way too much free time on your hands. And, and again, they're passionate about it. I know it's important to you, and you come to me, and I'm not into it. It's not that I'm trying to be a jerk. It's just I'm trying to obey the word here. <laughs> Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. I'll do my best to try and explain positions. If you want to come and see me, I'll sit down with you, and I'll try and explain things. Uh, really with no... Um, preconceived idea that I'm going to persuade you in any way. I know better than that, but I will talk with you, and I always appreciate those. The people I respect the most are the ones who come and see me and say, after we're talking, they say, well, I totally disagree with you, but I still love you anyway, and I say, that's great, fabulous, and that's great. That's the way it should be. Christianity's not about everybody agreeing about stuff. Oh, man. And, and what's great about our church is we get that. Most of us get that. There's a remnant that don't quite get it. And they keep coming up with stupid arguments. But uh, for, for most of us here, we all get that. And that's, that's one of the things that makes this church so fabulous. Is that not everybody here has to agree about everything. And there's people who are just incensed. That as a member of this congregation, the pastor ought to do what I recommend. And I'm just like, man, I don't know what drugs you're smoking. But, you know, it ain't going to happen here. And uh, if you want an explanation, I'll explain. But I'm not getting involved in stupid arguments. Why? Because you know they produce quarrels. They just make fights for the sake of fighting. Now, he warns this young preacher in the next verse, and as the Lord's servant, uh, and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. And, uh, and, and I got to admit, I've got to really fight this in my life because... There's a part of me that really likes to quarrel, <laughs> if you can't tell. Um, you know, and so I got to watch it. You know, everybody's got their temptations, their, their pitfalls and stuff. And it, uh, I can be quickly uh, 
wrangle into stupid arguments. And uh, so I got to be careful with myself. All right, don't argue. Don't argue with him. Just make your peace and just be on with it. Uh, Because why? Because he must be kind to everyone. You say, is that hard, Pastor? Yes. (laughs) Because it must be everyone. It's easy to be kind to people who are kind to you. It's hard to be kind to people who aren't kind. It's just the reality of it. It's easy to be kind to people who like you. I love people that like me. They have great taste. (laughs) Fabulous. Fabulous, insightful people. You know, but then you got people who just, they don't like me. And I get it, you know. Uh, Some seem to not like me at all, but they still come to church. I, I always thought that was rather odd. Because there's a good chance you'll run into me here. So I don't know <laughs> what that's about. If you hate me that much, you'd think, you know, you'd, you'd move on, you know, become something else. I don't know. But uh, anyway, but it's fine. You know, you don't have to like me. It's uh, whatever. But you need to be kind. And it's, it's, it's easy to be kind to people who are kind to you. Hard to be kind to those who are not kind to you. But really the Bible insists on that. Jesus said, love those who, what? Did anybody know the verse? What? Somebody say it. Hey, you know, it's actually, it's, it's use you, but there's, a, there's an adjective that comes before it. Despitefully, who said that? Ding, 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 ding. You get nothing. But uh, you get praise from the pulpit. Despitefully use you. Despite, love those who despitefully use you. Now, how, think, how many think it's just bad that somebody uses you? I mean, that's bad. Bad enough when they despitefully use you. And they'll talk to people who are in that situation. They say, look, you got to be nice to them. But pastor, they're, they're using me. Yeah, but you need to be nice even if they despitefully use you. But I'm telling you, that's where the rubber really meets the road. And I'll tell you, and that, that's why, you know, <laughs> you know, my, my, my line always, I always come back to the home, man. If you can't live this at home, you're full of baloney. You just can't. You're just you're full of baloney. If you can't live this at home, say, but but he's he's mean. Man, my husband just is despiteful. He's a spiteful soul. Good. That means you get to live this out. Is <laughs> what it means. But no, we want to divorce the bum, find another bum, and start all over again. It's like good grief, people. At some point, you got to start living this stuff. Be kind to people, even those that don't like it. Being able to teach them. Without being resentful. <laughs> ah, there's the rub. That's hard to pull off sometimes, not feeling resentful to people. And, and even myself, as perfect as some of you might think I am, I, I struggle with these things, just like everybody else. But the Bible's still the Bible. And it doesn't matter how we feel or what we think, the Bible's still the Bible. Somebody say amen. And I'll be big enough boy to tell you there's times I struggle with this stuff. And I know I'm wrong. Because the Bible's still the Bible. I just have a hard time with it because I want to be mean. You know, we all get that mean thing going every once in a while. And I got that <laughs> thing in me just like everybody else. It's called sin. All right, so those who oppose him, in other words, the, the pastor, the teacher, those who oppose him, he must gently instruct. Of course, I, I persecute him from the pulpit, but I, I got to be nicer. Must gently instruct in hope that God will grant them what? Repentance. Leading them to a knowledge of the truth. In the end, it's about people getting it right. And that's why we got to hang in there, even with people who give us a hard time. And that will come, to, and, and that they will come to their senses. 
Amen. Come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil. When I read this earlier, my eyes were a little blurred. I thought it said from the crap of the devil. But that was, <laughs> that's kind of the same thing, quite frankly. But I don't want to put in a new translation there. It says trap, trap. <laughs> Show you where my mind is half the time. From the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Chapter 3. But mark this. Now remember, these chapters and numbers and stuff were all inserted hundreds of years later just for a point of reference. There were no chapters. He's still writing here. He says, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. Terrible times, terrible times, terrible times, terrible times. Now what is that going to be like? Well, he starts describing what it's going to be like in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Hmm. Lovers of money. Hmm. Boastful. Proud. Abusive. Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful. Unholy. Without love. Unforgiving. Well, I would forgive him. He didn't hurt me. (laughs) You idiot. (laughs) Of course he hurts you. That's why you got to forgive him. If they didn't hurt you, you wouldn't have to forgive him. I'm talking to some people like talking to a brick wall. You need to forgive him. I would if he hadn't been so mean. (laughs) If he wasn't mean, you wouldn't need to forgive him. Uh, Slanderous, saying all kinds of mean things. Without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, I got to tell you, I think I've just described the typical American. (laughs) Come on. You know, I mean, we got our problems, but... Lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. And the home of the brave. <laughs> Say, Pastor, don't you love your country? I do. I love it. I just love it. I think it's the greatest country on earth. But boy, we got us a problem. <laughs> we live in such a self-centered culture. And the one challenge of teaching Christianity to people who are coming to faith in life in this culture, the biggest fundamental number one challenge is to get them not to be like this. To teach them life is not about you. There is a God and guess what? You are not him. Everything doesn't have to be about you. And we struggle with it. I was, I've been doing interviews like crazy over the last few days since the, the new book came out. And uh, I was on a moody Bible radio or something in Chicago, big Christian radio station, and talking about relationships. And <laughs> people get so mad at me. Oh, it's really rather entertaining. And uh, <laughs> when I got off the air, the producer said, that was fabulous. Man, nobody gets people that mad. So what did you say? You know, because I can say all kinds of things to get people mad. But basically, the thing was, is that when it comes to relationships, there's no such thing as a soul mate. 
God did not create another human being just to make you thrilled with life. Oh my goodness! All these Christian women calling up and yelling at me and sending emails and just my goodness, saying that people ought to do the right thing even if their spouse is a jerk makes people mad because we have an entitlement nature here. And our entitlement is, I will do what's right as long as I'm not unhappy. And that's exactly what we think. The minute I'm unhappy, I no longer have to do what's right. I know the Bible says that, Pastor, but I'm not happy. Oh my goodness, it is the very list of things that we just read. No control. No control, all about them. I challenge people to to control themselves. I believe the Holy Spirit gives us the power to control themselves. And I know some people get mad at me every once in a while. You know, I'm always preaching against porn and stuff for men, trying to challenge men to be real men. And then somebody sent me an email. I don't know who it was. I honestly don't. I really, I don't want to look at the names because then I can't say what I say. Because then I'll be mean. I don't look who it is. Because I want to talk about this from the pulpit. <laughs> okay. But, you know, some, I don't know if it was a man or a woman or whatever. Well, Pastor, you went on another tirade again about masturbation. You know what? You're not telling the whole story. If if women wouldn't get so chubby, men wouldn't need to masturbate. I assume it was a man. But not necessarily. There's some women who think like this. If women weren't so chubby, men wouldn't need to masturbate. Yeah. Yes. Welcome to my world. And you might be sitting here, whoever wrote that, I don't know who you are, and I could, I could hug you, I will have no idea. God knows, God knows my, I absolutely have no idea who you are. And maybe you're not even here. Hopefully you're not, because you feel like Satan crap right now. <laughs> <You're> not... <laughs> but honestly, they mask because women are too chubby. Well, first of all, ignoring the fact that you're an e. <clears throat> You're assuming chubby sex is not fun. I mean, honestly. Look, I I don't know why you come to listen to me because I say this stuff all the time. If you're a visitor, I apologize. <laughs> but it's like this all the time, so there's no sense in hiding it. Goodness gracious. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just all a matter of perspective. You ever look at the pictures of the hot babes during the Renaissance? You see these women? These are some healthy girls, Jack. (laughs) Chubby was the preferred deal back in them days. Goodness gracious. I could go on. I won't. I won't. I have lots of other things to say about that, but I'm really holding back here. We can't control ourselves. We can't control ourselves. We can't do this. We can't do that. Yes, we can. 
The Holy Spirit, if we'll let the Holy Spirit infect us, it changes us. If he will empower us. Remember, it, it, he talked about being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Just like being under the influence of alcohol. In fact, he says, instead of being under the influence of alcohol, that makes you do stupid stuff, get under the influence of the Holy Spirit, that makes you do great stuff. The bummer is being sober, quite frankly, either way. It really is. Are you going to live life sober? Well, that kind of bites. I mean, you're either going to get sucked into this or get under the influence of God who lets you overcome the world that you're in. I want that. I want to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit that can enable Mark to do these things, not be like these things. Anyway, talking about these people, they have a form of godliness. What does that mean? What does that mean? They, they look religious. They look very reasonable. They've got all sorts of reasons and explanations why it's okay to be selfish. And it's okay not to have control. And God understands why you have to disobey the Bible. And all this other nonsense. They seem reasonable. They have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. The real power of God is not in it. And I'm telling you, the real power of God sets you free from all of this. It really does. Now that's not to say you won't struggle at times. We all struggle with various things. I get it, I get it, I get it. But you just say, well, that's just the way it is and we can't do nothing about it. You can't do anything about it, but Jesus can. And it's called letting the power of the Holy Spirit empower your life, transform your life so you live supernaturally instead of just naturally. And there's people who will have none of it and he says about these people have nothing to do with them. These people who promote this kind of lifestyle. He says they are the kind who worm their way into the homes and gain control over weak-willed women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. So these guys who promote this nonsense seeming to be religious. Keep in mind, he's talking about people who come off as religious people who have all sorts of explanations why you can't really live the gospel. Well, that's very good, Pastor Mark, in theory, but there are chubby women. That's very good. It's very good. You know, we've got all our excuses and all this other nonsense down. And, and the worst of these guys, these are the kind of people that go in and in, they infect people's homes. They worm their way into homes, gain control over weak-willed women. I wonder what he's talking about. You know what he's talking about. trying to be nice. I'm trying to be nice. Move on, move on, move on. No, I can't. <laughs> I just I just can't do it. I just can't do it. I, I no, I can't. I can't. I've got to speak the truth. And the truth is do not tolerate this kind of stuff and I will not tolerate it. And you girls let me know. I, honestly, I've talked about this before. If you are dating some guy in this church who's trying to get into your pants, you let me know. I am serious. Say, well, I don't want to say anything and, you know, it's okay. No, it's not okay. Don't be weak-willed. And You didn't ask for it. These guys, some of them are just pigs. And they look for opportunities to take advantage of women. Don't let them do that to you. 
I'll take their pictures and put them up on the screen so I can see who they are. You come into this church thinking you can hit on these girls and no one's going to say anything? You are on drugs, Jack. I know some of them might be on drugs. <laughs> no, 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 no! We get our group of guys together and lay hands on you. <laughs> In love. I love you. I love you. Don't ever do that again! Anyway, talking about people who are always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. <laughs> Which is an interesting thing here. There is no Janus or Jambres mentioned anywhere in the Bible. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Say, so what's he talking about? I don't know. Do a search. They're not mentioned anywhere. Now, you can go to uh, uh, some commentaries, and then they, they theorize who these guys were, you know. But uh, apparently in, in the Jewish tradition, which is what these guys came out of, they were familiar with who they were. But the one commentary I read said they think that uh, this was the name of two of the evil magicians who opposed Moses. When he tried to set the people. Remember these magicians came forward and tried to start duplicating the miracles that he was doing. And after I think the fourth try they couldn't. They gave up and stuff. And uh, apparently tradition said that these were who these guys names were. Nothing that's recorded in the scriptures that we have. But other writings that refer to this. And it was just something they knew. But uh, anyway. Whoever these guys were. They opposed Moses. Was not a good thing. Just like those guys. These also. Uh, so also these men oppose the truth. Men of depraved minds. And, and do you know why they oppose the truth? They're against this truth. Because the truth is they don't have to be this way. They don't have to be this way. But they oppose that so it justifies their sin. If it's okay to be this way. If there's no way but to be this way. If God understands if there's this way. And la 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 la. Come up with all these justifications. Then it justifies their sin. And they can go along just as happily as they possibly can. But they oppose the truth. Uh, men of depraved minds who as far as the faith, is con- uh, the faith is concerned are rejected. But they will not get very far as in the case of those men, talking about Janus and Jambres, which we have no idea, uh, their folly will be clear to everyone. In other words, those who really are assigned to this type of godliness and preach this godlessness, not godliness, godlessness in the church and say that this is fine, and this is good, and blah, 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 uh, they, they won't get very far, Paul says. He continues to Timothy, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. Ooh, 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 ooh. Now, we like the first part of that list. Way of life, we love life. Purpose, we love purpose. Faith, oh, we need more faith. Patience, not too crazy about that, but we'll put up with it. Love, endurance, yeah, yeah, yeah. Persecutions and sufferings. Not very exciting. Not, but as I taught on Sunday, sometimes God has us walk through the valley of the shadow of death. 
Sometimes people go through very, very hard times. If you really think Christianity will inoculate you so that you never experience bad things, you are going to be so disappointed and so shocked. The reality is, even though God does wonderful miracles and delivers us out of our troubles, we have troubles. The Bible talks about troubles, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Right? Well, he can't deliver you out of troubles if you don't have troubles. Don't get mad at God when you get into trouble. Look for the deliverance out of the troubles. This is where real faith comes. I'm telling you, and I talk about this so much because it's so infected in our thinking, that people think the minute they get into trouble that somehow God has abandoned them, that the Bible's not true. Where was Jesus? If he really loved me, this would have never happened. No. He loves you dearly. But the greatest miracles of my life have been out of the most miserable troubles that I've encountered. Uh, and some of the troubles were just because I was just a flat out idiot. Just dumb. Did stupid things. But sometimes troubles happen to us. Either by our own accord or things we have no control over. And all of a sudden you find yourself in trouble. God has not abandoned you. This is your opportunity for a miracle. This is opportunity for you to grow. This is your opportunity to learn and stuff. I remember when I first got saved. Man, I was 16 years of age. First got saved and I decided, you know, I'm going to quit playing all the, the rock and roll and stuff that I was doing because it was such a destructive lifestyle with all the drugs and everything else. I thought, man, if I'm going to serve Jesus, I got, I got to get away from that stuff. So we got away from that stuff and, and we started uh, a Christian band. You know, one of the first Christian rock bands in America. I'm, you know, just nobody was doing these kind of things. But we were, we got this all set up, and and my, and my dad was so excited about what was happening in our lives. Even though at the time he was he was a Muslim uh, and wasn't a Christian, he became a Christian a few years later. But he was, you know, he was thrilled because we weren't such hellions anymore. <laughs> you know, and finally doing. So my dad gave us a thousand dollars to buy this really cool PA system. Now this is back in, you know, when the dinosaurs still roamed the earth. This was a lot of money back then, right? So we get this thing and we set it up in the church and, and uh, we started practicing. We were so excited and uh, then we went home and we came back the next day and it was all gone. It was all gone. Someone broke into the church and stole all that equipment. Just stole it. Now, boy, what an opportunity to say, well, where, where was God? We're trying to follow Jesus. And if Jesus really loved us, you know, none of that would have happened. Said, oh. But we didn't do it. We said, wow. Well, let's pray. Let's pray and ask God for a miracle. So we prayed and we asked God for a miracle. We didn't know what was going to happen. And we went to bed and the pastor calls us the next morning and said there was another break in. Really? Yeah, he said somebody broke back in and put it all back. Well, that's a bit odd. Don't you think that's a bit odd? But that's kind of cool. Now, we would have never experienced that if something miserable hadn't happened in the first place. Now, why you break in and put it back, I have no idea, except that God answers prayer. You know what that did to this young guy? It, it increased my faith. I went, whoa, God really does care. God really does care. And, 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 and man, I could just go on for hours telling about all these crazy things when in the worst of circumstances, God brings through, brings us through. So anyway, there are persecutions and sufferings in the life of the Christian in that same list of purpose, faith, and love and patience. Also, 
persecutions and sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured. Paul had a hard time. He really had a hard time. You know, when I go traveling around the country, I tell our staff, find the nicest hotel you can. You know, not that I'm exorbitant. We don't go to $1,000 rooms or anything like that. But, find, you know, when you travel like I travel, the worst is a cockroach motel. It's just the worst. It's horrible. So I try to find something just as nice as... So we always make arrangements to find the nicest place that you can. When Paul came to town, first place he checked out was the jail. Because that's where he's ending up. This guy, everybody was beating up on him. I mean, talk about having opportunity to walk around whining and complaining. He could have been the Eeyore of Christianity. (laughs) Oh, bother. I know it will be bad. We'll go preach in Iconium. I will be beaten half to death. Oh, bother. (laughs) Praise God. You want to be like me? Now, here's a guy in the midst of horrible sufferings kept this incredible attitude of celebrating God and praise and worship. He was excited about life. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man. One place in the news, and I think we're going to go into the book of Acts after we're done with this because so much references back there. I'm always jumping back there anyway. But, uh, uh, you know, one time in the book of Acts, they take him and they stone him to death. Paul. They left him. They thought he was dead. Now, they pretty much knew dead back then. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like, they didn't think he was, I mean, he was obviously very, if he wasn't dead, he was in very bad shape. So, anyway, the believers all come up later, after he'd been stoned to death, or no close to death, and lay hands on him, and either raise him back to the dead, uh, or whatever, or this miracle, all of a sudden he hops back up, and the next day he goes back into town. I got a promise. You stoned me to death. I think I won't be your pastor anymore. <laughs> if I get raised back from the dead, I'm looking for a new town, Jack. This guy goes back into town. What a great attitude. Everybody's looking, what, who, who was that? Didn't we just kill him? <laughs> what is this? I mean, Paul, you can't keep a good man down. You kill him, he pops up. Like a cockroach, this guy. All the persecutions I endured, he says, yet the Lord rescued me from them all. Rescued. See, that's the part we love. Rescued me from them. But what we always forget is that they were in them. What we want is God to rescue us from ever getting into trouble in the first place. And while oftentimes that does happen, uh, you're in a different world if you think you're not going to have challenges in in your faith you will he says in fact everyone who wants to live a godly life in christ jesus uh, how many people everyone who wants to live a godly life in christ will be persecuted you'll have a hard time now obviously we're not persecuted like they were uh, back in in that day in some parts of the country in the world they are but there's still persecution negatives you'll get bad vibes people will your family will think you're nuts. You know, they'll disown you. They'll embarrass you. Workers will try to embarrass you. All kinds of stuff. There's always a degree of persecution. Anybody who lives godly in Christ will suffer this. Uh, unless they bail on their faith. And a lot of people, they'll follow Jesus up until that starts happening. When it starts happening, that's when they run from Jesus. That's when they run from their faith. They think, I will serve God, but not if it's going to mean this. 
Not if people are going to make fun of me. Not if my friends won't have anything to do with me. Not if my mom won't approve of me. And, and then they give up on their faith. You can't do that. It's normal. We will all uh, live godly in Christ Jesus. And, and quite frankly, I, I think a lot, of, a lot of what we've done with, uh, in our preaching, uh, and, and as you listen to preaching on the television and stuff like that, and I've been guilty of this at times in my life, where you so are trying to encourage people to come to Christ so their life will be blessed and they'll succeed and you know, da, 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 things will go better for them, which is all very true, but you all, we, we don't give them the whole story. If we tell them that everything will just be great and they come to faith in Christ, they won't last very long. You know, we also need to let them know, look, there will be challenges. There will be times some of your closest friends will suddenly turn on you and hate you because of this decision you're about to make. Now you got their attention, see? And if it means less people respond, then so be it. But rather we do this right. I think we've set people up uh, to fail a lot in this country where we preach the gospel of just, it's all just about peace and love and joy and God loves you so much and la 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 just pray this prayer and you'll be okay. No, no, there's, there's a lot more to it than that and I don't think we've been given the whole uh, picture here and it's important that we let people know there will be challenges. Those who live godly in Christ will suffer, will be persecuted while evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse. That's encouraging. Deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have uh, become convinced of because, I, because you know those from whom you have learned it. In other words, you know who taught you this. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. See, he knew him as, as a baby. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, he says, is God-breathed. Actually, let me back up on this wise thing. You know, one of the things that the Bible really is about is about giving us wisdom. Giving us wisdom to live life. And, uh, and we sneer uh, today. And I want to say we, I mean Christians as a whole, uh, seem to sneer today at, at wisdom. We don't want wisdom. We want specific instructions. There's a big difference. We tell people, if they're not sure what to do, ask God, he'll tell you. Have you ever heard that? Ask God, he'll tell you what to do. No. Sometimes he will. In some cases that happens. But the Bible says, if you don't know what to do, ask for wisdom. Wisdom is understanding right from wrong, using God's principles and getting the scriptures within you and so that you can start making the right decisions. But we don't want to be responsible for our decisions. We just want God to tell us what to do. And this has really infected Christianity. Uh, you know, in, in every area, I mean, even in offerings, most churches, I dare say the vast majority of evangelical churches on a Sunday morning will take their offering like this. We do not do it here. We'll take the offering, let's bow our heads and just ask the Lord what he wants you to give. What are you talking about? Do you really think God's going around whispering in everybody's ear? 25 bucks. Make it 30. You know. I mean, come on. We've so simplified it. God's just going to tell everybody everything. God's going to tell everybody. It doesn't say that. It says ask for wisdom. And the one thing that he praises uh, Timothy is that from infancy he's known the scriptures which are able to make you wise give you understanding so you can do the right things God is not glorified by making us a bunch of robots who just do what we're told 
And this is a thinking that has gotten into the church big time uh, in the last, I don't know, 50 years or whatever it's been. And it's, it's big time today. I mean, everybody thinks, you know, people ask me, you know, single people, how, well, how, how, will, I, how will I know when God tells me who to marry? Uh, he won't. Well, then they have a cow and they call the radio station and yell at me. You know, because, well, God, God will tell me. Why won't he tell me? Because you're, God is going on telling you every little detail of life. He gives you wisdom. The Bible says, desire wisdom. Seek after wisdom. Crave wisdom more than silver in gold. Wisdom has life in it. Wealth and riches are all wrapped up in wisdom. And woe to those who despise wisdom. And I contend we are in a culture today in the church where we despise wisdom. We don't want wisdom. We want specific instruction. Just tell me, Pastor, what to do. Just tell me what to do. Lord, just tell me. Lord, just tell me. Tell me. And they'll sit there. Some Christians sit around for decades, do absolutely nothing. Don't get involved in the church at all. You say, why aren't you involved in the church? Well, I'm waiting for the Lord to tell me what to do. Seriously, these people, I think, are going to be in a real shocker on Judgment Day. It's not about God telling you everything. Well, wouldn't that be great if he did? I mean, where's the faith in that? If I knew that if I would just do this, and this would just happen, and that's a piece of cake. That's great. That's one. Then I don't have to question anything. I'll do this, and this will happen, and God just told me, and everything's great. Where faith kicks in is you're not quite sure exactly what to do. And using wisdom and the, 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 the uh, uh, multitude of counselors around you and getting input and, and getting advice and through prayerfully seeking God for wisdom. And the Bible says anyone who asks wisdom, God will give it to them. But wisdom doesn't always come in the form of do this, don't do that. Okay, now, can God speak to people in various ways with very specific instructions without a question? Clearly he does. You read it about in the book of Acts. But what we don't understand is that is the exception, not the rule. This is not what happens every time. And people who walk around and say, and I've heard people talk like this, where God tells them everything, be very nice to them, but just beware, is all I can tell you. Just beware. They sound very spiritual, but I, I just, I'm sorry. I just don't go there. I don't buy it. Well, the Lord told me what time to get up this morning. And I got up at 6.15. I wasn't going to get up till 6.30. But God woke me up. And then God told me, you know, what you need to do is eat eggs. Don't eat cereal today. Because you need to eat eggs. And then get up and go to work. And don't wear that blue dress. Wear that brown dress. I said, Lord, are you sure? He said, absolutely. I said, well, Lord, I don't like brown. But God told me to wear brown. So I put on brown. And I got all dressed up. And I went out. And, and I started driving to work. And God said, don't turn this way to work. I want you to go the long way around work. And I went and I started. And it's like. Holy cow! Who really lives like this? And the Bible says you will know them by their what? Fruit. Look at people's lives that talk to you this way. I find it amazing, overwhelmingly, the people who live this way live the most fruitless lives I've ever seen. They barely survive in life. They can't pay their bills. Everything's always a disaster in life. Da, 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 da. For someone who God's telling them everything every five seconds, you would think they would have great victory in their lives. They don't. But a lot of people get all caught up in this la, 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 la. Preachers are very guilty of it, saying every thought that comes into their mind was something God said to them. So everybody, we've got that standard today now. Everybody's got to wait for God to tell them what to do. No, 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 no. 
It's not that way. It's just not that way. And I could preach for hours just on that. But it's about wisdom. God gives us wisdom. And I'll tell you what. God is not glorified in that scenario. God is the most glorified when you take his principles for life and succeed. He'll guide you. He'll, 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 he'll protect you start going the wrong way. But you've got to get out there and start walking in faith and start doing the right things. I am not glorified if I have to tell my 20-something-year-old son to get up tomorrow morning. Phil, did you change your underwear? <laughs> did you? Did you? Did, Phil, don't lie to me. I know you didn't. Did you brush your teeth, Phil? Come on. Okay, now go to work, Phil. Don't forget to get to work. Okay, now, are you there? Okay, now go to your office. Sit down. Open your computer. Do your work. Now, Phil, are you doing your work? Would this be praise to me? It would be a shame. It would be a disaster. God isn't... Well, how we have created that picture that gives glory to God is completely ludicrous and beyond me. I don't understand where it comes from. It's, it's craziness. It's over-spiritualized nonsense. What gives me praise and glory is having trained him in the principles for life, the young man gets up when he should, changes his underwear as he ought, go to work on time, does what he needs to do and gets it done and does a great job without me saying jack squat to him. This is praise to the fault. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. Uh, Let's have our ushers come down and get ready for the offering. Um, we'll pick it up uh, from there next Wednesday. We should be able to finish this off. And then I think we will jump into the, uh, the whole book of Acts. It's, it's kind of a long, but it's a great journey. Fabulous, fabulous. Verse by verse through the book of Acts. And, and looking at what these guys experienced, actually experienced in their walk of faith. There's so much to learn from the history of the early church. Father, we thank you for your kindness, your goodness, your mercies, and your grace, Lord. There is no one like you. We love you for all that you've done. Thank you for your word. Help us to grow from it. Help us to encourage each other in faith. Help us, Lord, to grow in our faith, Lord, so that we can become more effective in the earth. Help us to walk in love, in self-control, in kindness, even when we don't feel like it, and, and, and walk in your love and your blessings, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this time to uh, just uh, sow back into your kingdom. Use this money for the advancement of your kingdom, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.